couple of reminders before we get into uh, our series today. Uh, small groups are starting this week. Pastor already talked about that. Man, I'm just here to tell you life change happens. The context of relationship, bring your crazy, find some other crazy people, get together and get a little less crazy in Jesus' name. It's going to be an awesome small group semester. Encounter nights tonight if you plan on coming. We do have child care. It's going to be an amazing time in God's presence, extended time of worship and communion. Actually, no message tonight. Uh, we'll actually just have some time of prayer and ministry as well. But get here early. Uh, seating is limited here uh, at our Winter Park location. We'll have kids available uh, as well as overflow seating uh, if you show up a little bit late. And then next week, everybody say next week. Next week is, uh, is an amazing week in the history and the life of Action Church. We're launching our South Orlando location next week. Uh, they met this morning. We had 110 of them on the team serving down there, training, and they had a practice service. In fact, last, uh, last service at our 1045, uh, they all worshiped together for the first time and received uh, the live stream down there for the message and really a cool weekend as their practice service just happened and they're launching next week. You know anybody in the area, make sure you're inviting them to Action Church. Uh, South Orlando, and then here at our Winter Park location, Sanford as well, we're starting Lights, Camera, Action for the next four weeks, as well as our Sunday night service at 6 p.m. here at Winter Park. And with LCA, uh, I just want to encourage you, uh, I want to invite you to invite someone the next four weeks. And I just felt like this morning, uh, God was challenging me personally and our whole church, invite four different people, like find four different people in the next four weeks, and let's just fill our auditoriums with people that need to hear the life-giving, life-changing message of Jesus Christ, like actually take an invite card, actually pray over and give it to somebody. I've already given out three this week. It is easier than you think. I mean, people are... You're just nice to people. It's amazing how nice people can be. If you just say, how are you doing? How was your day? How's your family? What are you doing Sunday? You should come to Action Church. My favorite thing is, I don't tell them I'm the pastor, so my favorite thing is to meet somebody. I invite them, and like, you go to that church? Yeah, I'm a pretty, the worship's great. The preaching's just okay. It's just average. Um, but you can get past that, and, uh, and I'll see you Sunday. Invite somebody, uh, and make sure you attend this service. You're already here. This is a great service for you, or the 6 p.m., phenomenal times, and I'm really excited about what God's gonna do next week. Week four, Living on Leftovers. You ready to study God's word today? We, uh, let's do a brief recap before we get back into uh, this series. Week one, uh, we started talking about this idea of living on the leftovers. How many leftover people do I have in the house? Say leftover people. My wife and I went on a date this week. Uh, P.F. Chang's, she tried to get a to-go box. I said, no, no, we got plenty of Chinese food still in this refrigerator. We're all set on leftovers. Too many areas in our life we are still living on the leftovers. What I mean by that is something that God prepared for us that nourished us in one season was just meant for, for that season. That God gives us things in a seasonal time. It's like in the Old Testament when the people of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. He gave them manna every single day because he wanted them to rely on him for fresh nourishment, for fresh food. It's the same in our relationships, in our personal disciplines, in the mission of our church. And we talked about that over the first three weeks. If you missed any of the first three weeks of this series, I want to highly encourage you to check out our YouTube page and check out those messages specifically week two. If you call Action Church home or if you're just kicking the tires around here, I think it'll be a great message for you to kind of decide if this is going to be your place. We've been on a journey of getting rid of the leftovers and adding some fresh ingredients to our life. 
In week one, we added the fresh ingredients of God's word, a new passion for God's word, for time with him in prayer, and an overall posture of gratitude or thankfulness that we need to stop living on the leftovers and add those fresh ingredients to our personal spiritual disciplines. Week two, we talked about the mission of Action Church, that we need to add the fresh ingredients of honor and unity if we're gonna be the church that God is calling us to be. And then last week, week three, we talked about relationships, marriages, friendships, uh, family relationships, that we need to add the fresh ingredients of correction, encouragement, and compassion if we're really gonna operate in fulfillment in those areas, those relationships in our life. I wanna go back to 1 Thessalonians today. For the sake of time, uh, I wanna start in verse 12 instead of verse one and uh, read 12 through 24. Specifically today, we'll be in verses 19 through 24. Verse 12, chapter five, 1 Thessalonians. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, and take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Here's verse 19. Really, we're gonna spend most of our time together today. Do not stifle, everybody say stifle. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Verse 19, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to take credit for the first three weeks. Like once we get out of the refrigerator and microwave living of yesterday and reheating what God said yesterday, we begin to add the fresh ingredients to our, our personal disciplines. We begin to live off of principles. We begin to add the fresh ingredients to our church and our calling and our purpose. We begin to add the fresh ingredients to our relationship. I'm here to tell you that if you build your life on God's principles, it will produce good fruit. Like it will produce a blessing, which we talked about last week, Psalm 133. But if we're not careful, when we get the blessing, we'll begin, become entitled or arrogant or think that we had a bigger part to play in that blessing. And we get further and further away from God's leading and from the moving of the Holy Spirit. So we begin to stifle the Holy Spirit, not because we don't think that uh, we need him or want him. We forget how available and how important he was to the process. Let's go back to the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 12. Everybody say old school. old school. Going old school today. 2 Chronicles chapter 12. Talk about what happens when we leave the Holy Spirit out of it. Let's read 10 verses together in 2 Chronicles chapter 12. Starting verse one. But when Rehoboam, now that's a mouthful, right? You don't see a lot of Rehoboams anymore. You know, you don't, what's your baby's name? Rehoboam. That's because he didn't do a great job here, but also because that's a very biblical Old school name. How are you going to name your next child Rehoboam? No, no, no. I had a hand back there. Wow, wow. That's, you like that name. But when Rehoboam was firmly, get this, firmly established and strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord, and all Israel followed him in this sin. 
So when he, when he stopped living on the leftovers, when he, he had some success, now that he was king, now that he had had some victories, now that he was strong and firm, he abandoned the law of the Lord. That is human nature that we will begin to take credit for the increase, to take credit for the praise. Yeah, I am doing better. Yeah, my family is doing great. Can you believe all the hard work? No, we forget that it was God and the Holy Spirit that gave us these principles and gave us these victories. Verse two, because of this, or because they were unfaithful to the Lord, King Shishak of Egypt, and I just can't read this all week or today without thinking of that commercial she shed. Like nobody burned down your she shed. That's funny. I don't care who you are, that is funny. Second Chronicles 12 and she shed, you are welcome. Working hard for the money here at Action Church. <laughs> it's funnier in the first two services. I know where the problem is. <laughs> because they were unfaithful, Lord King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam's reign. He came in with 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horses, and countless army of foot soldiers, including Libyans, Succites, and the Ethiopians. Shishak conquered Judah's fortified towns and then advanced to attack Jerusalem. The prophet Shemaiah then met with Rehoboam and Judah's leaders who all fled to Jerusalem because of Shishak. Shemaiah told them, this is what the Lord says. You've abandoned me, so I'm abandoning you to Shishak. Then the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves uh, before the Lord. The Lord is right in doing this to us. When the Lord saw their change of heart, he gave this message to Shemaiah. Since the people have humbled themselves, I will not completely destroy them and will soon give them some relief. I will not use Shishak to pour out my anger on Jerusalem. Now they will become his subjects so they will know the difference. Get this, verse eight. They will become his subjects so they will know the difference between serving me and serving earthly rulers. I need you to hear today that if you accept Jesus, you are forgiven for your eternal sin. So the sin that separated us from God, we are forgiven from that. But the mistakes we made do have earthly consequences so that we reap what we sow, we reap. And when we reap that, we realize I, it was way better when I was serving God. It was way better when I was building the house of God. It was way better when I wasn't stifling the Holy Spirit. God sometimes will give us over to those decisions so that he can prove to us the difference between what it looks like when our life is serving God versus when it's serving worldly or earthly rulers. Verse nine, so King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He stole everything, including the gold shield Solomon had made. King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze shields as substitutes. And he entrusted them to the care of the commanders of the guard who protected the entrance to the royal palace. So King David had a, had a dream, had a mission to, to build the temple to build this place, the royal palace, and then Solomon fulfilled that, his son. Now Rehoboam, the grandson of David, the son of Solomon, has relied on his own understanding, his, his, his own intellect, and now he has given over this city to the enemy, and he has lost the treasuries that his grandfather and father have built, including the gold shields. And I wrote this down this week as I, as I was studying for our time together. Rehoboam, get this, was too poor to make duplicate gold shields. You'll see why in just a moment. So he replaced them with shields made of bronze. And the royal ceremonies went on as if nothing had happened. So he replaced the real thing for a counterfeit, but everybody just kept going like nothing had happened. How often the precious treasures of former generations 
or former seasons, the, the leftovers, are, are lost because of sin and then replaced by cheap substitutes. Life goes on, but nobody seems to notice. So we have, we have gold shields, and we know from Genesis 15.1 that gold represents divine protection. It's a pure metal. Genesis 15.1, gold, divine protection. Now we have bronze shields replacing them, and Rehoboam puts guards in front of them. You know why? Well, it's not because he didn't want them to get stolen, because they weren't worth very much. He put guards in front of them so the people couldn't get close enough to realize that they were gone. Because if you get close to a counterfeit, you see that it's fake. Because what would never tarnish in gold will always tarnish when it's replaced with man-made substance, which is bronze. So he guarded them, so they had this, this fake deal. We have divine protection in the gold, but bronze represents suffering in Scripture. So they've exchanged the, the real gold, divine protection, for a, a counterfeit substitute of bronze, which means suffering. They had the real thing, now they've settled for the counterfeit. And they settled this way for generations. But we know, if you know history, you know the end of Second Chronicles, that we find that Nebuchadnezzar, leading the Babylonian Empire, comes in and destroys and takes everything. So it was once gold and put in place by God and God's temple and the royal palace, divine protection, for generations was bronze and counterfeit and fake, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. You don't go from gold to gone. You go from gold to bronze to gone. You don't go from the real thing to nothing. You go through a season of looking like you have the Holy Spirit, looking like that you're holy, looking like that you're doing the right things, but there's nothing actually going on on the inside. It's a counterfeit. We've exchanged the real thing of God's divine protection for a counterfeit. We've exchanged the real thing of the fresh ingredients that God wants us to build our life on. We've exchanged them for leftovers. For what God did when we were a kid, what God did with our parents, what God did in the last season, what God did on that mission strip, what God did in that small group that I led four years ago. If everything is a was in your relationship with God, you're living in the bronze. Exchanged. Exchanged some things. Leftovers. The bronze for what was really meant to happen. We've exchanged some things. We've exchanged some, some goals, some, some spiritual justice where we actually are meeting the needs of people to arrange a meeting. We do that at Action Church through Reach Days, an international missions trip, and ARC church planning. We've exchanged spiritual justice where we go until we meet a need and we give them Jesus. And we've exchanged it even in the church for social justice where we go and make people feel better about themselves and we give them uh, something to make their physical situations better. If we don't settle their eternity, there was no point and helping them in the temporary. It's a counterfeit. We're over here with the goal, the divine protection. We, we've got a kingdom mindset, mindset where God's ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and we exist to serve people, not to be served. We've exchanged that for an American nationalism mindset where this is my preference and this is my party and this is what I think should happen and we've missed the main thing. We've exchanged bronze for gold. We've exchanged the gold standard of the power of God. God showing up in power and doing something in power, we've exchanged that for morality. Good works and good thoughts and good deeds. We've exchanged 
services and small groups and gatherings. The presence of God is tangible. He's moving and he's shaping people's lives and he's changing people. We've exchanged the gold standard of presence and we've exchanged it for the counterfeit bronze of performance. When you get close, you can see that it's different. What area of your life are you in a season where it looks the same, but you know that you've exchanged the real thing for a counterfeit? The good news of the gospel is you don't have to stay there. That your name's not Rehoboam, praise God. And that Jesus Christ is still risen from the dead. You can have victory over that, that you are now new covenant, new testament. You are one decision. <laughs> That's not me. I don't want performance. I want presence. I don't want morality. I want power. I don't want social justice. I actually want to make a difference. Like, I don't want leftovers. I want fresh. I'm just going to keep doing this 1230 until somebody else claps their hands. Just don't want your pity. Gotta stop stifling the Holy Spirit. We gotta stop exchanging the real thing for a counterfeit. If you're new to church, I wanna give you a 30 second theology lesson on the Holy Spirit. Uh, because when we talk about the Holy Spirit, talk about God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, it's the Holy Trinity. We have God the Father, who is the best Father you could ever have. It's a plan for you, a will for your life. He created you on purpose and for a purpose. Jesus the Son, who gave everything for you. These, these three People, these three persons make up our God. The Holy Spirit is the gift that Jesus talked about that he was leaving for you and I to have a personal relationship with this person of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to get really theological, the Holy Spirit is the, the part of God that we have personal access to, like on this earth. Like we're gonna spend eternity in God's presence, like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we know the Father is seated on the throne. And Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews tells us that he is interceding on our behalf. And I was just thinking about this week. How many of you are grateful for, for a, a, a God, for Jesus, who, who doesn't speculate or assume? He is interceding from a place of experiencing everything you've ever experienced. So he's not up there saying, this is how it's done. No. He's like, God, Father, I, I live this. This hurts Let's give him a little extra grace here, a little extra compassion. He's, he's lived it, and now he's interceding for you and for me. So the only part that's left, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, better that I go so that I leave this gift for you, which is the Holy Spirit. Yet we stifle him in our marriages and our families and our churches, and we say we don't want to talk about it. It's, it's not an it, it's a him, it's a person. And I want to give you three things that the Holy Spirit brings today. And we could talk about this for weeks. In fact, we did a series several years ago. You can check it out online, and we'll probably do another one in the next year or so. It's so important for us to understand the power of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. But I'll give you three of the main things that if we stop stifling the Holy Spirit, here's what he will bring into our life. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace, everybody say peace. peace. The God of peace, the first thing, the Holy Spirit if we stop stifling him and invite him into every area of our life, the Holy Spirit brings comfort. It brings comfort. John 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor, better Greek translation is comforter, to be with you forever. 
that tells us 1230 is you don't have to walk through anything alone anymore. Somebody with you. The living God. It's on the inside of you. You're, you're not alone in that situation. And he can give you perspective. He can give you next steps. He can give you the power to get through that situation. He is a comforter. The second thing, a little bit tougher to hear, is that the God of peace, he will make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. His job is to create a holier spirit in us. When we're saved, the theological term is we are justified by our faith, our faith in Jesus. But then we go through a process of sanctification in which the Holy Spirit works on the inside of you and the inside of me. And for the rest of our days on earth, as we're following God, he is working out this process of sanctification, attempting, if we'll let him, to make us look more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world. And how he does that is he brings, he brings conviction. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. John 16, 18, when he comes, Jesus talking to his disciples, referring to the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. You're telling me that the Holy Spirit's gonna convict me of what I'm doing wrong and show me what I'm supposed to do, that which is right. Yes, that's exactly what he's gonna do. But he's not, that the end goal is not, obedience. It is the process. You can't get to the end goal without obedience, but he's way more concerned on who we're becoming than our actual obedience. He knows obedience is key to get us to becoming the person, the man, woman, child of God that he's calling us to be. But I don't, I don't want to do that. You will. If you will actually surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit, what you used to want to do, you will no longer want to do. What God has for you will not be a have to, it will be a want to. Your appetite will change. You ever started eating healthy for a little while? Come on, January resolution people, where are you at? That's me. Come on, I'm gonna eat healthy, and then I'm back at Chick-fil-A and soda by February. Come on, where are my fried food and soda people? Come on, we may be dying sooner, but we are loving life. We need some sugar and some salt, a large fry in Jesus' name. Come on. When you start eating healthier, what you'll notice is it actually is better for you and you feel better, that you'll actually want better things. Now, I don't want them enough to get over my sin nature of fried foods and soda. I'm still a work in process. I'm still on that sanctification journey. Come on, somebody. But when you, when you start eating better, you will want different things. I'm here to tell you when you start including God and the Holy Spirit into your life and asking him to convict you between right and wrong, it will not be I have to do this. All right, don't get to do that. It'll be I want to do this. Isaiah 30 says, whatever you do, wherever you turn to the right or the left, you'll hear this still, small, quiet voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. He'll begin to say, I'm going to walk in this way. And I'm here to tell you, if you make the choice now along the journey, there will begin to become a passion to do the right thing, to want to be led by the Spirit and not by your own sinful nature. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. The third thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. The Holy Spirit brings power. He brings power. Power to overcome sin and power to, to live the life that God is calling you to live. He, he's gonna show himself in power. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 says, our gospel came to you, not simply or merely with words, but also with power. This is not information exchange on a Sunday morning. 
This is not just a transfer of knowledge so that we can have a, a greater understanding. All important. But when God is preached and when people are loved in the name of Jesus, there should be a power exchange that happens. There should be life change that happens. There should be something that God shows up and you can say, I don't know what happened. I don't know how that conversation got there. I don't know what God did, but I know I was faithful and obedient and God brought some power to that situation. Like there should be healings and there should be miracles. There should be addictions broken. There should be minds set free that should come along. And we could share thousands of stories, literally thousands of stories. It would take weeks in our six years together of physical healings, miracles that we've seen take place, freedom that we've seen from bondage and oppression and addiction, power. But can I teach you something real quick? All of those are important, and we value, and we celebrate, and we honor, but all of those are merely for the purpose to point people to Jesus. Because the greatest way that God shows his power when the gospel is preached and we live a spirit-filled life is not even what we see in the physical, but what happens on the inside of somebody supernaturally. The greatest miracle in all of history, in all of mankind, is not physical, it's not mental, it's spiritual. It's when a lost person who is dying, lost, spending eternity apart from God, finds Jesus, the greatest miracle in the church, is not physical, it's supernatural. And it's when a hand goes up and a heart shifts to being in control of itself, to fully surrender to God. God shows up in power and we measure that first and foremost by people meeting him and all the other areas in which we see God meet human needs so that he can arrange the meeting. If we're being honest, and I didn't say anything in the service, that's why God does miracles because he meets a tangible need that couldn't have been met without him so that he can introduce us to Jesus. God is not interested, first and foremost, in making this part of our journey better. He's interested in using this part of our journey to bring us into a relationship with him. That was free. Holy Spirit brings power. Before I get to this last one, I have, a, I have a morbid thought for you. Did you know that you're dying? Like right now. We just got seven seconds closer. You were on your way out. Seriously, it's human beings. Every breath we take without our relationship with Jesus and without the Holy Spirit living on the inside, we are one step closer to death. This message is so important that a fresh renewal, a fresh relationship with the Holy Spirit, it breathes life into us. When's the last time that you relied on the Holy Spirit so much that it literally was the breath in your lungs. It's how it's described. In the Old Testament, it's ruach. In the New Testament, pneuma. It's a breath of God. It's a breeze, a strong wind. Holy Spirit, it helps us 
catch our breath. Have you ever been out of breath? Come on. I was out of breath this morning. I went to Eat the Frog Fitness with Pastor Tyler. Crushed him, by the way, on the road. I looked at our meters. You didn't know this, but I beat you by seven. So anyways, we were both there. We were dying. It was two-minute sprints over and over on a rower. Like, it's the point where you're like, your face is white, your body is red, you can't catch your breath. You know, you all have been there. Come on, there. Some of us, it's on a rower. Some of us, it's just getting to the refrigerator. Like, you stand up, you're like... But you've been there, like maybe you've been coughing or you, you've got something in your throat or maybe you're exercising. There's a point where you just can't, you just, you know how good it feels when you get that. How do I feel better? Think about that in the context of your life. Where in your life are you just, marriage, fight against the sin, calling, ministry, purpose, relationship, finance, business, education, whatever. You're just, and God's just saying, give it to me. And he will give you a breath to get through something that you couldn't get through on your own. We go to scripture, Psalm 33, I'm at the band on the platform as we get ready to close the series. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. Job 26, by his power, he stills sea storms. By his wisdom, he tames sea monsters. With one breath, he clears the sky. With one finger, he crushes the sea serpent. And this is only the beginning, a mere whisper of his rule. Job 33, the spirit of God made me what I am. The breath of God Almighty gave me life. Is your relationship with God the most important thing in your life? Is it the thing that helps you catch your breath? And if it isn't, we're living on leftovers. We've settled for a counterfeit. Our relationship with God should be the essence of our being, should be the priority, it should be the breath in our lungs. I read a story recently, love studying great leaders in society. The secular organization, maybe you've heard of it, Apple. Apple's one of the most successful organizations in the world. You may be a fan of Apple or you may have settled for inferiority for your life. The choice is yours. You're laughing, but I'm serious. We have freedom groups starting if you need freedom for your Android in Jesus' name. Tim Cook was interviewed. He's the CEO of Apple. Super successful guy, obviously, multimillionaire leading an amazing global company. He says, how do you keep going, Tim? What, how do you keep going every single day? Waking up early. He's known to be in the office early, last one to leave. He is a, a worker. He is diligent. He says, I don't understand the question. He said, I can't live without Apple. Apple is my oxygen. Now that's completely misplaced on priorities. But if a secular businessman can say that about a company, how much more should we as believers say that about the living God that saved us, that set us free? And yet we run all of these races and all of these relationships and all of these, these settings and we run without the presence of God, no wonder you're tired. No wonder we're out of breath because we haven't allowed him to speak life and to breathe into our situations. 
I want to do this. I want to end this series in a very reflective moment. And this may be super cheesy to some, but I kept reading these verses in Psalms and Jeremiah and Job this week. Talk about the breath of God, the wind of God. And took me back. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Took me back to summer camp, late 90s, early 2000s. You sing this song. This is the air I breathe. And I don't think we're ever gonna get out of the refrigerator and microwave the leftovers into fresh ingredients if we don't get this thing right. We become just desperate for the breath of God, the presence of God. That it literally has to be the air you breathe for your relationships. The air you breathe for your disciplines. The air you breathe for the call that God has for your life. If we get away from that, we, we will run tired and weary. But if we just begin to say, God, this is the air I breathe. So I thought we'd sing it together today. I'm gonna start it. It's not gonna be great. JT, I'll be the worship leader. You be the keys player. You're doing great so far. By that, I mean I have no idea what you're playing. I don't know what a key is, a pitch is, a tone is. I don't know what your tempo is right now. So I'm gonna start singing. You just, just come on in. What if we began to declare that today? Come on, at Winter Park at Sanford. We just said, this is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Listen to this line. Your holy presence living in me. Come on, this is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Max sings way better than me. This is my daily bread. What's something you eat every day? Your very word. Not a scripture on a screen, not read from a pastor for you. Spoken to your situation. To me. Come on, catch this right here. When's the last time? And I take another step. I'm desperate for you. She wouldn't make another move without asking God to speak to your situation. You're desperate. And I I'm lost without
desperate. It's hard for us to understand desperation in a context where for most of us, we have all that we need. I'm just here to tell you today, if you wanna stop living on the leftovers, you've got to have a renewed desperation for the presence of God. Where our life looks like, God, I'm just, I'm desperate for you. And without you, regardless of the situation, I'm lost. Let's do this at both locations. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of us are lost in some situations, but we're gonna give those over to Jesus today. Either right now or right after service with our prayer team or tonight at Encounter Night. But some of you are not just lost in a season, you're, you're lost for eternity because you've never trusted Jesus with your life. What if today you surrendered control, your will, and said, Jesus, I'm desperate for you. Talk about the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit is a gift given to us to walk out the life God is calling us to live. We receive the Holy Spirit once we surrender our life to the Lordship and the leading of Jesus Christ. What if you did that today? Say, God, have your way in me. Jesus, the Son of God, lived for you a perfect life, died as you a sinner's death, granting you grace, forgiveness, salvation, mercy. He rose again, giving us victory over sin in the grave. The Bible declares we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, that everything changes. What, what if you did that right now? For the very first time, Maybe you've wandered. You stood firm on your own accolades, your own success, even your own good works, your own morality. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you today and saying, you're, you need to return to desperation. You need to recommit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So come on right here at Winter Park at Sanford for the first time. By recommitting your life for the first time in a long time, you say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Say, I need Jesus today. Desperate for Jesus. I got one, two, three, four, five. Come on, six, seven right here, eight in the back. Sanford, God's moving in your room right now. Proud of you. you put your hands down. Pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say this say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace today I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place complete and total control God have your way in my life thank you Jesus for saving me now God I pray for all of us me included we would be people of fresh ingredients of fresh presence no more living on the leftovers that you are going to be the breath in our lungs the essence of our being that we are going to trust you first and foremost to bring comfort and conviction power very breath that we breathe. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Church, can we celebrate everybody that made a decision? Come on, really celebrate them.